that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What's up, people? Welcome to a special edition of Morton's Law here on this Sunday night. Coming to you right after NXT TakeOver in your house. As I see a moth flying around my apartment. Don't know where that came from. Nice infestation of everything I have, including those gnats that still bite me, which is fun for those who listen to my show. Uh, Yeah, please check me out on Twitter at Morton's underscore law, on Instagram and YouTube at Morton's Law Podcast. So let's get right into this show. It was a packed Capital Wrestling Center. Good atmosphere, everybody back. Everyone ready to see a good show. And first off, we get this uh, six-man tag with all titles on the line. And I'll say this. I talked about this on the last show. Wasn't a fan of this concept for more reasons than one. But overall, everyone worked good. I mean, it was... It was a lot of good heel heat early on. I liked what they were doing, working over Wesley in the corner. They had like a slew of clotheslines, which looked really good. Uh, And then later on, Joaquin Wilde hit this crazy 450 out of a hip toss from both of his partners, which is just, I've never seen that before. And then there was a spot during that sequence where Wesley broke away and looked like he was ready to make a tag, but then he got cut off. And here's the problem with that. Then it looks like he's going to pull him out of the corner. Wesley fights off again and then makes the tag. And that's what you would call a lukewarm tag. Because you don't thoroughly build towards the tag. If he gets cut off and then they work him over for another minute, then the crowd gets more into it. And this is what is missed in wrestling today a lot of the time. But it's just a lack of understanding what a hot tag is. So, Reed then, of course, does the squish on Escobar, which, of course, we saw all of Tuesday night on the show. And uh, he goes right through the barricade in the cage, which was a crazy spot. MSK comes in, hits a couple nice double-team moves. And then Reed gets the splash off the top rope. And uh, they get the win. So, look, I thought it was kind of predictable. I would have been surprised if they changed the titles there. Like I said, Reed just got them. MSK's hot. I don't know what they're going to do with Escobar now. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I imagine he's going to now go after Reed's title, so we should see a singles program with the two of them. Uh, I'll say this. As you listen to the show, and I've been sick of it forever, I mean, even pre-pandemic, it became annoying, and now I just wish it would die. I'm, I'm so sick of the this is awesome chance. Most of the time, it's not warranted. You hear it on AEW more than you should. A match is three minutes in, and you're hearing the chant, please. Please kill this chant. Oh my god, I hate it. I mean, I really want to tase the people who chant this right in the, the taint. Right in the taint. Tase them. It's, it's brutal. Moving along, we get Mercedes Martinez against Xia And of course, as I said on my last show, I said, make this short or make me care. So the story early was Xia working the injured ribcage that she... Had given her on this uh, past Tuesday show. It was good heel work. I'll say that. I mean working over that ribcage became the story of the match. And I thought it was a smart move by the agents on this match. To hide Xia Li's weaknesses in the ring. Because like I say she's 
flawed <laughs> to say the least. So you give her minimal moves and just work as a heel. That looked good. Then there's a spot where Zai misses, she kicks the post. And then she does a really good job selling the leg for the most part after that. Uh, listen, did you see that move, the cliffhanger by Mercedes Martinez? I'm looking at this move and she gets a two count. And I'm like, how is that not her finish? Don't get me wrong, her power bomb is pretty cool too. But that move looks like more devastating than the finish itself. That should be the finish. So Zia Lee lands the kick out of nowhere for the finish. I mean, there was some Boa interference, if you will, whatever. If you will, baby, that's the ride from interference from the outside. So, uh, and then if you notice there for that split second as she made the kick, she kind of stopped selling. But then when the bell rang and she won, she remembered to sell the leg again. Little things that you have to remember. Or told maybe by the ref. Somebody tells her, remember the leg. Okay, now this moth is in my face. What the fuck? <laughs> I swear I can't win with this life. Oh, God, just let it end. Um, so... Now, the post-match. <laughs> the post, this was a lot. This was a lot. This made no sense, and it took away all the heat that Zia Lee just got by winning this match. She brings out a chair. Martinez blocks it and just proceeds to destroy her and Boa with this chair repeatedly. And I'm like, this is not only bad, but it's stupid. What are we watching? So then Martinez... All of a sudden looks out at the chair at the person that I guess was named and I didn't realize is Mei Ying. So she gets up. We have a standoff, which um, also took forever. I'm like, okay, do something. And then Mei Ying grabs her throat in a hold. Martinez gets out of it briefly. She puts the hold back on and then launches her into the barricade off the cage, whatever you want to call it. And... Okay, I'm like, <laughs> so now this is the star of the group, apparently. So Zia Lee and Boa were made to look like jobbers. I mean, I don't even know what you'd call it after Zia Lee won the match. You just killed her. Like, what was that? So now you want to elevate the person that we haven't seen yet. Okay. By the way, this, this woman, I, I looked her up, but she kind of looks like she's not, by the way. But she looks like, and reminds me in terms of the gimmick, looks like Sue Young from Impact. I don't know if they saw that gimmick and like, hey, let's do something similar. But uh, moving along. So here's all right. As I start watching this, this card in general and the last match specifically that I just talked about, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, think about the history of NXT Takeover and how loaded the cards were and how you would always think, well. Where do you put this match? Where do you put that match? How does this match not overshine that match? And it's just crazy chaos in terms of you, you get one match to the next that are equally as good. What happened? Tonight was not that. Tonight, you're like, what, what is going on? And when you look at that last match I just talked about, again, no dis disrespect to the people involved, but was that match takeover worthy? The answer is a resounding no. It is not. That is a regular NXT Tuesday show. That's it. No one cares. I'm sorry. And then when you look at furthermore with this... Now, listen. Uh, I just want to say one other thing. I mean, in terms of why this is done, I get it. They want to strengthen the Asian market. I understand that. I know they have a deal with China. And you know, I talked about it on the last show, Zia Lee, and how far this will go. But okay, fine. But when you look at this card... 
Think about this. It lacks. Here's why it lacks. This is a major issue with this. You have six guys in the first match. Six. Six guys in the first match. Then you have five guys in your main event. So you have 11 people, top quality guys, by the way, in two matches. So how do you expect to fill out a card? So that's why you get Martinez and Lee. This is why you get no offense again. I'm going to talk about this in a second. Look, Cameron Grimes is ready there, but LA Knight, not sure. Talk about that again in a second. But it's just questionable booking that hurts the overall show. And then you look at the people not on the show. You have, think about it, they did a backstage with, with Swerve. He's not on the show. Kushida, look, I know he's going to wrestle in his open challenge on Tuesday. You have Champ and Thatcher who did a promo. They're going to wrestle the grizzled young veterans. But there's just a slew of even Dexter Loomis. There's so many people backstage that didn't get on the show. I'm sure there's more people I'm forgetting. But I, I, don't, I don't know. This just wasn't the takeover that you're used to is what I'm looking for. Um... So again, next up, we get this ladder match. And I, I'll say this again. I keep saying it ad nauseum. The crowd hates LA Knight. I don't know if they didn't like his work in Impact. I don't know what it is with him. I just, they they hate him and not in a good way. It's not like heel heat. It's like go home heat. And that's how it comes across. Like the crowd is dead with him. Like they don't want to see him. So... As the match continues, I, I'm not going to talk about the whole match, but there's a spot later on where Grimes jumps off the structure, lands on Knight, and then I don't know what happened here, but they forgot to switch cameras because the camera's staying on Knight and Grimes. And you can clearly see Knight talking to Grimes, and then they finally cut away to the announcer's desk. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we shouldn't be seeing that. So then the two of them are on the ladder. We get the big spot where Grimes goes crashing down, which was sick. I mean, can't deny that. That has to hurt. <laughs> There's no faking that. And uh, Grimes is down. And then LA Knight takes about as long as Big Show takes to weigh somebody to take down the briefcase, wins the match. And, uh, yeah, the crowd clearly hated that finish. It was, it was uh, basically crickets. <laughs> it was crickets with some booze. And that's the problem. When you get crickets over booze, uh, uh, nobody cares. And that kind of hurts LA Knight here. So backstage, we get Dunn and Cross trying to get at each other. But of course, they're being separated by none other than Steve Carino, who now looks like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Wilson! Wilson! Did you see what he looked like? Jesus. <laughs> Just let himself go. <laughs> so up next, we get Ember Moon and Raquel Gonzalez. So Moon ends up hitting the Eclipse later on in the match. And Kai comes around. Dakota Kai comes around and puts her leg on the rope, which was a good spot. I like that. And then out comes Shotzi, who had been injured selling her injury, which is what you should be doing. They got that right. And she runs off Kai. The only problem with that, they cut back to it after going in the ring. I kind of look down for a second, and I look up, and I see Shotzi running Kai into the, the, the backstage area, but you see Kai now slowing up, and Shotzi then slows up. So they're both kind of walking together out, <laughs> and it's like, whoa. All right, by the way, if you're hearing that popping, I have a bug zapper because, as you know, I have a bug infestation that nobody cares about other than I, who is bitten every day. 
So that's my life. Listen to that. Uh, so, okay. So we go back to the ring and so Gonzalez. Okay. So we eventually get the finish and Gonzalez retains and it was a decent match. I mean, there's not much to say. It was a good back and forth. I'm not going to dump on it, but again, do you care? It was decent. All right. With all the backstage stuff we saw during the show, I have to say this. And again, it just goes to the card in general. In your house must die. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's over. That's it. Let's just call it takeover. Call it anything else. No one needs to see the whole nostalgia thing with Top Hat and Gil. Though he looks pretty good for his age. I'm not sure how old he is, but uh, not bad. But the concept of in your house takeover is it's hokey. It sounds like main roster crap. In your house. We don't need it. I mean... It's just not necessary. It's everything NXT isn't. How's that? All right. So now we get this uh, main event, Fatal Five Way. By the way, this show is pretty fast and moved. I've noticed the takeovers recently have been getting closer to two forty-five and three uh, to three hours. This one was under that, under two and a half, actually, like two seventeen. So uh, out comes no more cool Kyle. He's just Kyle O'Reilly again, and. Everyone else introduced, and as I'm watching the beginning here, and this is a, a major gripe when you talk about three ways, four ways, fatal five ways, whatever. You get two guys in the ring to start. Then there's a quick brawl that eliminates three people. So now three people who are barely hurt, by the way, are outside around the ring on their knee watching what's going on in the ring. And it just looks stupid. That looks dumb. Could you imagine that? You have three guys. Why are they not working? Why are they not beating on each other? Now, as the match goes, other things happen. Yes, the people start. There start to be more people in the ring than just two. I get it. But that spot at the beginning where all three of them are on the, on the the uh, right outside the apron on their knee just watching. And then one guy gets thrown out. Another guy comes in, gets thrown out. Another guy comes in. It's, that's why those matches don't work. They're, they're literally waiting for their cue to enter the ring. <laughs> Next. <laughs> So, as the match continues, Cross hits the double Northern Lights. And all I could do is think about this, because uh, it makes me sick every time I see it. It would be an awesome spot if not for Matt Jackson at 190 pounds doing a double Northern Lights suplex onto, on, on guys in AEW. It's just... And again, this is all you Bucks marks out there who don't understand what I just said, because you don't understand wrestling or psychology or anything. You think you do, but you don't. So, okay. Moving along, so there's a spot where they put Cross through the door, of course, of the house, which I think Beth had something to say along those lines, which was just a head shaker. I forget what it was exactly, but it was just, oh my god. Then, okay, so they eliminate Cross from the equation, and now all four guys that we know can work, no offense to Cross, just are in the ring and they're going at it, good stuff, back and forth. And then before you know it, Cross returns. And he just runs, ransacked through everybody. He just destroys all these guys. And gets back in the ring. And I'll tell you, did you see that Tornado F5? The way I talked about earlier, Raquel Gonzalez's cliffhanger. As I'm watching this Tornado F5, and he gets a two count. I'm like, this should be this finish. And they're already talking about, by the way, I read an article today speculating that when he goes to the main roster, they may try to eliminate his Saido suplex, 
or whatever. I mean, obviously he's not even doing that as his finish anymore, but that this F, this tornado F5 should be his finish. This is a really cool move. It's almost reminiscent of the old school Dan Spivey, what I think was called a helicopter bomb or something along those lines, but that was a sick move too. And then, oh, James Storm used it in TNA, called it the Eye of the Storm, but he didn't use it as a finish. Oh, that kind of just devalued that move. So we get this, uh, there were a couple good combo spots here during this match as it continued. We get a, a super kick into a poison rana combo. And uh, then there was another spot with a super kick and I think a suplex with a bridge. That was cool. All right, this, we gotta talk about this, okay? There's a spot where Cross is on the apron. O'Reilly and Cole are outside. They look like they're gonna go at it. By the way, supposedly a big feud, right? That ended with the two of them in the hospital, still talking trash. And as I said on the last show, we've seen nothing really since. The two of them look at one another, make eye contact, and decide that they're gonna double powerbomb, cross through the table, work together. And I went, oh no. That just killed everything. Everything they had built, it basically says it's done. Like, the, the feud is over. Why would you do that? They should have been brawling right there. There should be hatred between the two of them. You killed it. Oh, that's so stupid. Bothered me so much. So, uh, back in the ring, we get a lot of... Uh, as we go to the finish, by the way, we get a lot of cross-sub attempts. He has everybody in the sub. Then he gets Pete Dunn in the sub. And, and Dunn does his usual finger manipulation and snaps Cross, who sold it really well. That was a good job by Cross there. And then Cross is going at it to everybody again. We get O'Reilly. Now, we really get to the finish. O'Reilly gets Cole in, I believe that was a knee bar. And then... Cross grabs O'Reilly by the neck. Now, we think here for a second that Cole is going to tap. And then when he when Cross grabs O'Reilly, thinking, oh, no, he's going to tap. And that was my thought that crossed my mind because I went, I hope they don't do this. Because they, they did something similar in a match. I think it was for the North American title where three guys or two guys tapped at the same time. And then they had to redo it. I forget what that was. But that was my fear here, that, that Cole and O'Reilly would tap simultaneously, and we wouldn't know who tapped first, so then that would give us a three-way with those guys on the next show. But they didn't do that. So that was good. So then Cole escapes, and O'Reilly fades, and they ring the bell. And again, this, this did zero, zero to elevate Kyle O'Reilly. He's dead. He's dead. That's it. I don't know. I mean, of course, you can revive people. I get it. Everyone has nine lives. You talked last week about Austin Theory. Other people can get revived. But whatever they were building, they really... I mean, Kyle was in the hospital, and now he's on life support. So, and again, like I said, just repeating myself, they, they did zero to build on the feud with Cole. Nothing. And the crowd hated this finish as much as they did the LA Knight. And the bottom line is this. It's pretty simple. NXT fans hate big guys who can't work like the other guys do. And it's not a knock on them. I mean, we think about big guy champions in NXT. Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, guys can work. But they look at Cole and, I mean, excuse me, Cross and even LA Knight, who's not champion, but, well, million dollar champ no one cares about. And they say, well, these guys can't go like our darlings, <laughs> the darlings. And uh, they don't like them. That is what it is. 
So, but I just feel this. Whenever it does happen, because a lot of people thought it would happen this week that Cross would get called up and wouldn't win this match. I think Cross and LA Knight are better suited for the main roster. And again, you could say that would take that with a grain of salt because you never know who works on the main roster, what Vince likes, what he doesn't like. You know, hot and cold, right? So yeah, Cross is staying for now, and I'm I'm really surprised by that. So the show is over. And I think I think her name is Mackenzie Phillips, right? The uh, announcer backstage. She goes up to Regal and she asks, "What did you think of this in your house show?" And he looks at her and he says, "I've never seen so much bedlam and chaos." And then he says, "It's time for a change." And I went, "What? Did I miss something with all the bedlam and chaos?" I'm sorry, was there a hospitalization with anyone tonight like there was with Colin O'Reilly? Did I miss blood? Did I miss... I, I don't know. What, what, where was the chaos? <sighs> so, yeah, this was uh, anticlimactic to say the least. Again, please, no more in your house associated with NXT. Don't need to say it. Don't need to see it. Those, show, those shows were garbage back then. Let's remember, those were like two-hour pay-per-views and no one cared about them. We knew they were crap. They were just an extra show. And uh, we don't need NXT to become watered down. That's for sure. So uh, one other piece of news I didn't get to talk about when I did my last show is that Samoa Joe is apparently at the PC this past week. Now, of course, he was one of those released. And the speculation is, will he be brought back as a wrestler, a commentator, or an agent, or who knows what what they're going to do with him? And it just makes you think, now I get it, he was cut from the main roster. Now, I don't know if it was over money or just the fact that he is unable to work. But again, it makes no sense because people loved him as a commentator. If it was money, you would think that if he wanted to come back, if he's going to take a pay cut in NXT, he could have taken a pay cut on the main roster, stayed on commentary. And then when you talk about all the other guys that were cut and the roster is thin, if Joe's ready to go, if Joe starts working in NXT, that just makes no sense that he couldn't stay on the main roster. Zero. But again, people will love him being there because he's going to be booked properly. Yes. So that does make sense. In fact, if Cross goes up, Joe could replace Cross and we'll get some really good matches again. But yeah, so... Well, let's hope that the next show is better than this, because just, just, I don't want to say it failed. I mean, there was good stuff in it, but it's just not what we're accustomed to. You want to say we're spoiled? Maybe we are. We're spoiled by NXT. Uh, that's that's a reality. I should say TakeOver specifically. We're not spoiled by the weekday shows. But, uh, yeah. And uh, real quick, I'm not going to take a break. I just wanted to talk about the Nets, because, I mean, this is a disaster for them. And... I sat here and I did my last show and I talked about when I was doing my show, by the way, the Nets were up two games to zero and they were playing the Bucks as I was recording. I dumped all over Chris Middleton. Of course, he made me eat a steaming pile of shit in the last two games by going off, I think, for 35 in game three. And I think he would have 20 plus today. And uh, James Harden still not playing, still with his hammy. I don't know how bad it is. I mean, look, I've, I've had a hammy issue. It's hard to run. But if he's just on a spot up, I mean, they don't play defense anyway. Spot up and shoot threes and do his little dribbles. He's not running fast. Like, I'll tell you this from the hamstrings perspective. It's hard to run full speed. He doesn't have to run full speed. And then Kyrie goes down with an ankle. And you're like, 
okay, now it had Durant has to do all the work. Durant was clearly exhausted. PJ Tucker, a decent defender, at least gets in his way, bothers him, makes him uncomfortable. Some guys don't you aren't used to that when they're not accustomed to anyone playing defense. Plus the physicality. I mean, Durant's normally shoots over people easily, but when they're pressing up on the defense and the screens are kind of negated in a way, then uh, it's affected. I mean, look, he had a really good third quarter, but then he got tired. Nash had this issue with coaching today where he wasn't sure he was going to pull the starters or not. He looks at D'Antoni. They talk about it. They come out of the timeout. The starters go back in, and then the leads balloons back to, what, 15, and then he pulls them out. So there's some confusion there. But again, look, Durant was dead. He had to rest him. He has to save him for... Uh, Tuesday night Harden has to play That is it We're 2-2 Harden has to find a way on the court I mean there's got to be a way to make that hamstring Just enough to play And if he doesn't play And they go down 3-2 He's going to take more heat Than Roman Reigns as a babyface this, this, this city, this town, they will destroy him if he doesn't play game five. And they may run him out of town if he doesn't play game six and they get eliminated in Milwaukee. He may not survive here. It's just, I mean, when you look at his history, no rings. Dude, you're here in this position. You have a golden opportunity to win a ring with Kevin Durant. And again, we don't know how long Kyrie's going to be out. Uh, who knows? <laughs> He's another one that we have to worry about. But, yeah, the Bucks fought back. They played better defense. I mean, again, with two guys out, they're going to look better. People are saying, oh, the Bucks are a great team. They're not a great team. The Nets are just depleted right now. So, I mean, look what they did to them in games one and two without, without Harden. So, uh, yeah. And the Suns, I believe the Suns just completed a four-game sweep as I record this here on Sunday night. And they're going to be now just sitting back, relaxing, awaiting the winner of the Clippers and Jazz. Jazz up two games to one. Clippers just destroyed the Jazz in the last game. Finally got everybody going. And the Jazz just had an off game. That's going to happen. See how the Jazz bounce back game four. Or do we get 2-2 game five? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, that's about it there. Don't really care about the other series. So thank you guys for joining me on this special edition of Morton's Law Podcast. And uh, don't forget to check out the other shows, Box Seat Suck Podcast, and uh, Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast, and of course, the Absolute Truth Show. And I'll be back with another episode soon. Take care, everybody, and God bless gay sex.